broken and in those areas that the enemy's tried to, to cause wound and hurt. He wants those things, and, and he's such a good God that he uses those things to bring deliverance and healing and freedom in others. It's not wasted. God never wastes a hurt or a mistake. They're not wasted. Not saying he did it, but he doesn't waste them. I totally believe when the enemy touches us in an area in our lives, he's opening up a huge opportunity. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. When he touches us and he puts a mark in us, I believe when, when we will surrender that to the Lord, it will become a powerful area in our life to cause freedom in others. It will become a place in our lives that's anointed. It will become something that, and, and when the enemy does it, he doesn't know what he's doing. But we have a responsibility to not just take that for ourselves. We have a responsibility to then go and speak those things over others, to see where there's others that are wounded in those same areas that have been touched and bring deliverance and bring freedom and, bring, and speak life over those areas. Amen? I'm, I'm someone who can speak into a lot of different areas because there was a lot of different areas that got touched. There was a lot of areas that the enemy had his, his claws in, and he meant it all for evil, and he meant to destroy me. But I can promise you, I've seen over and over in my life, those areas, it's been very easy for the Lord to, to speak deliverance, and it's been very easy for his touch to come through those areas and see people get, get set free. Now, I wouldn't have signed up for that, and I'm not saying you have to go do a bunch of stupid things so that the Lord can use you in those areas. But I will tell you this, he redeems them. He's a redeemer. He's a redeemer. They're not, for, they're not wasted. They're, he is able to bring beauty from ashes. He brings beauty from ashes. That's the kind of God we serve. I can make a mess, and I can cause it to, to go up and smoke very quickly. But if I surrender it to him and say, God, I'm sorry. Lord, I messed up. He will bring beauty from ashes. It's, it's where Romans 8.28 comes from. It's that principle, and it's, it's not a cliche thing. It's a fact. It's the word of God. God's word never changes. He never changes. He's good. He's never going to change. Every single word and truth that's in here, when I come back, and I've read a verse, and I come back a year later, and I read it, it's, it's still the same. And 10 years from now, when I come back and I read Psalm 40, it's going to say the same exact thing. Now, it's probably going to touch me in a whole new, beautiful way. But he's not changing. We can count on God. He's faithful and true. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. And he has chosen to love us. That's not going to change. He has chosen to come into this earth, take on humanity, and live with us and dine with us and, and dwell in us. And that's not going to change. When we're in heaven someday, what they look, how, how Jesus looked when the disciples saw him in flesh and blood is how he's going to look. He is forever in that body. And, and he is sharing in our humanity because he loves us. <laughs> he has chosen to create human beings, men and women, in his image so we can have fellowship. So we wonder, what does God look like? Like Jesus. And you could even say, like me. He looks like us. We were created in, in his image. He loves us, church. And, and we, the beautiful thing that I've been just dwelling in is there's no, there's no pain and hurt in Jesus. There's no spot in my life, and there was plethora of spots that were broken and hurt. And I did all kinds of things to try to deal with those things and try to uh, drink the pain away or smoke the pain away or... I won't say that. Um, lots of things. <laughs> lots of things. And it, none, of it, none of it did any good. It, it all made it worse. But when he came in, and I've chosen to live through his life, there's no brokenness in him. There's no pain in him. There's no um, alcoholism in Christ. There's no addiction in him. There's no fear in him. There's no mental sickness in him. There's no chemical imbalances in him. There's none of those things in him. And I can live through him. I can love through him. I can have his peace and experience it through him. His righteousness is my righteousness. And, and I can have mine, which is filthy rags, or I can live out of his. I can have my faith, which goes up and down, or I can live through his faith. I can have my peace, which sometimes is good, sometimes it's not. Or I can live out of his peace. Because he overcame the world and he said, I give it to you. 
We have a choice in that. And, and that's where Paul said, I got to die daily. I got to die daily. And this person's got to die daily. And so do you. There's some chains that have to be broke. But we don't have to go get them broke every single day. Once we decide that, like, none of this is in you, and you want to live through me, and I can live out of you, that changes a bunch of stuff. Like, I'm not having a bad day. I have bad days sometimes when I'm in myself. But it doesn't take me too long to start figuring that out. Like, something's off. My attitude stinks. Jesus' attitude never stinks. So it's a pretty good light for me when my attitude starts going to stinking. I'm in the flesh. I got to die. Yay. If I do that, he gets to live. And it is so much better for you, for me, for my wife, for my kids, for the people that pull out in front of me. Right? We get to live through him. We are in him and he is in us. And that is just like mind-boggling to me. Lord, who are we? Right? Who are we that you love us? And he didn't say, I love you once, so don't mess up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going to resurrect your life. Now, don't mess it up. That, I mean, that would be a good deal. Okay, so... You're going to take me from hell. I don't have to go there, and, and so be good from now on. I'd sign up for that. The problem is I'd still be in hell because I can't be good in me because in me there's no good thing. That's why I need Jesus to live in me and through me. Amen. Now that he's in me and living through me, guess what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a good day. Like when you really understand that and believe that and start operating from that point, chains break and they stay broken. And then you get to go help other people get free. And you don't just put on to them and share Jesus like, well, say this prayer and then you got, you know, then you got to stop doing this and then you got to stop doing this and then you got to do this and then you got to do all this other stuff and then you might be good enough sometime. No, you're never good enough. You were never going to be good enough. And while you were yet in your sins, he went and died for you. And he made you good enough. And he called you worthy. And you live from that place. Now, that's a great day. That's a great day. I can have a bad day. I'm not saying, like, stuff doesn't happen. But it doesn't devastate you. It doesn't determine what your future looks like. Because my future is bright in Christ. And this isn't like everything's going to be just peachy and... and Everywhere you go, the angels sing and the birds are singing. Sometimes all hell's breaking loose. But in him, I'm good. In him, I have peace even in that. In him, I mean, stuff can get stolen. And you're like, that's not cool. But it's just stuff. It hasn't changed anything. He's still in me and I'm still in him. And that's a good day. This life's but a vapor. It's temporary. It's just stuff. And you're like, well, yeah, but there's going to be some serious stuff. Too. Yeah, there is some serious stuff that happens in our life. But we don't have to go like this with life. Yeah. I used to say that and believe it. Well, this is life. This is what our life is like. Jesus died in vain if that's what it's supposed to look like. His life didn't look like that. In the midst of him getting crucified and tortured, he didn't change. The circumstances didn't change his attitude, didn't change his perspective, didn't change his heart. In the midst of it, he said, I love you. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That never changed. That's why we need him in us, because our life changes. I have good days and bad days. My love is conditional, just like your love. You love me, I'm going to probably love you. You were mean to me, I'm going to probably not like you anymore. There's a probability I'm going to be mean to you back. It doesn't take any special anything for that to happen. But when you don't like me, you're mean to me, you say dirty things to me, and I still love you, I know where that came from. That's Jesus, right? When I make you mad and I do something against you and you still love me, I know where that came from. That's the same Jesus I got in me that's in you. Amen? That's a good day. Amen? Amen. 
the salvation, the chains that were broke, the healing, the deliverances, that's all him. It's all Jesus. Every good and perfect gift comes from him and through him. Everything we see in him, we can see in ourselves. We have access to. Not because we earned it, not because I was good for 35 days. If I make 36, I wonder what he's going to do for me next. Oh, if I make it to 40, he's really going to do something special. He already did it. He already did it. There's nothing more I'm going to do. I don't, I don't like, I'm going to be good for six more months. And then what's he going to do? He already did it. If I'm bad for the next 30, he already did it. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about the revelation of what he did. Now, when I really understand what he did, I want to live right. I want to glorify him. I want to do right because he's living through me. And guess what he wants to always do? The right thing. He never wants to do the wrong thing. I can know very quickly, that ain't Jesus. I want to punch somebody. Jesus never punched nobody. There's someone that thought I punched him two years ago. It's hilarious. I got that in the first service. I was, I was like, what? I haven't punched anybody since like 99. Like, <laughs> that's a miracle. I mean, that's seriously good. I'm serious. I was on a roll there for a while. And getting punched too. I just wasn't the one punching. You punch enough people, they hit you back. Man, I don't miss those days. No more black eyes. No more busted lips. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is good, you guys. We got to let him live through our life. It's so much easier. And it's your choice. Choose life or choose death. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is life. Choose life. Paul got it. Paul got it so good. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. This life I now live. I live through the faith of the Son of God who loved me and died for me. This life I now live. I live through him. I wish someone would have really taught me. that. They probably did. I don't know. Is this making sense to you guys? Like, I just was kind of like, well, say the prayer and Jesus comes into your heart. Okay. And, and then basically, it's like this get out of jail free card. I understood that. You did all this stuff, you should be in hell. Accept Jesus, say the prayer, and you go to heaven. Okay, I'm in. It's way more than that. Amen. Divinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, like, wants to live in you and reside in you and live out of you, and you can live in him. Like, that's normal Christianity. That's normal. Like, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit manifesting out of you. Touching people, like speaking life over, like creation. Dude, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm in that. I'm, I'm so a part of that. Like, that's been wrecking my life. And I mean, you've been seeing it. I love my wife so much better through her, through him. Like, my love is okay, but it's not, I mean, it is not great. I didn't hear an amen. <laughs> His love is ridiculous, right? And it's very easy to tell the difference. He's not selfish. God's not selfish. He gives and gives and gives. When I'm like, well, what about, I know that ain't God. That's my flesh. I can say, die. You don't get a voice. You know, vote for you. Every time I, I see and hear this voice, it's this beautiful voice. It's always giving me the right things to say, leading me to the right sources. Always good, always to build. All, it's so beautiful. He lives in us. His spirit lives in us. That's crazy, awesome, good. It's always light. It's not complicated. Darkness, that's me. There's light. That's him. Let's go to the light. Seriously, if I can do this, literally anyone can. I'm serious. The people that knew me, they, I, I guarantee the fact, well, it blew their mind when I was a youth pastor. I had a, someone that, didn't, that hadn't seen me in a long time literally said, so what are you doing? I, oh, I'm you know, working here, and I'm a youth pastor. And, Wait a minute. You're a youth pastor? I said, yeah. They go, 
people let you take their kids places? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was mind-boggling to him. God is good. So we're not going to probably use many notes. We're going to get to some good stuff because we got to... This is one of those Smokey and the Bandit messages. You got a long way to go and a short time to get there, right? Where's the kids at? Come here, kids. I need you to pray for me. Did you guys read that in your book? Wasn't that encouraging? I was like, I am getting me some of that. Like, sorry, I'm not praying for you guys this week. You're praying for me. Come on, you guys. I need what you got. Come on, Rama. Can you pray for me? What's up, Emma? Hi, Abby. Look at that bow. All right, so I need you guys to pray for me, all right? Normally I pray over you guys, but this week I want you kids to pray for me, all right? Like today would be good. Would you, would you be willing to pray for me, one of you guys, or all of you? Get her done, buddy. You going to pray for me? Please. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you gonna pray for me? Dear God, um, thank you for my dad, and I pray that you would bless him in every way, God, today, and that I pray that you would his message would come clearly and it would speak to all the people in the church today, and that people that are watching on the uh, website that they would also be touched in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Love you guys. Have a good time. All right. We're going to conclude and finish up on judge not lest ye be judged. Amen? You've been having a lot of opportunities to practice this this week. Amen? I know it's been funny for me. I'm like, nope, I'm not judging. Nope. Don't want that judge back. I don't want that measure, right? So judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Amen. We are going through and uh, seeing the motive is really important. This is what I f felt the Lord was really wanting us to dwell on was motives. He is the only one who can rightfully discern motives. God can, is the only one that can discern motives. We do not have that ability. Anytime we try to get in that role, we mess it up really good. How many of us have, have been hurt or someone did something or said something or parked too close, or who knows, whatever it might is, and then all of a sudden, we, we just start thinking about it, and the enemy always comes and wants us to start thinking about, why did they do that? Why did they do that? I wonder why they did that. 99.9% .9 of the time, when we go in that realm, we're already messed up, because we do not have the ability to determine motive. We can see actions, but we don't know what sponsored it, amen? Only God can do that, so this is where the, the Pharisees were in the motive business, and they got it really wrong. And we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, seeing over and over that Jesus uh, makes these statements, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say, right? These are one of those that Jesus is saying. He says, judge not. That means don't do it, right? You, when you do it, you jack it all up, right? When I judge, I jack it all up. I get it wrong just about every time, right? So he says, you shouldn't probably do it. Um, first point was stop being so critical. Remember that? Lots of opportunities there. Second point was uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself. That's always good advice. <laughs> Look at yourself first, right? Um, the third point was um, brothers, dogs, and pigs. Jesus, in this, in this context, he's speaking to brothers, and he's speaking about dogs and pigs. Um, what, what was important about brothers is uh, brothers, and the difference between brothers, dogs, and pigs is brothers value what's precious, Right? So don't throw your pearls before swine because they will trample them under. They don't value what's precious. Amen? 
So this week's point is this, is in the end, the just judge will sort it all out. Amen. How many are thankful for that? We have a just judge. He's just all the time. He's never unjust. He's going to sort everything out. The text of verses that when I was looking at this a few weeks back, the Lord just prompted me to, and he said, the wheat and tares. I wrote it down in my Bible, and at that point, I didn't really get what that had to do with Matthew 7. And through this study, it's been really awesome. This, this was like the best part I was hoping to get to like two weeks ago. Um, but we never got there, so praise the Lord. So Matthew chapter 13, 24 through 30, Jesus said, and he's speaking in a parable. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, there's a lot of things that stood out to me in this, in this parable this week, um, as a lot of things are probably prompting in your mind that we've been talking about judgment. And one of the first things is, is in the natural, we, we all operate very easily in the natural. Right? It's, just, it's just easy to do that. So I'm like listening to this parable, and I'm like, of course his, his servants would say, like, didn't you sow good seed? I said, yeah, I sowed good seed. It was an enemy that sowed the other. So, so the, the parable, speaking of our lives and people, right? There's, there's these righteous people that are planted, and there's these evil people that are been planted by the enemy. Now, we're all in that same soil, and we're getting the same nutrients and water, and it's just going on. It's a natural thing for us when we hear that to go, well, let's... Why wouldn't you just pull up the, the tares? Like, let's get rid of that. Like, they're wanting to help, be helpful. How many of you like to help the Lord? <laughs> right? Let me just help you out, God. I mean, I see a problem <laughs> that you're not seeing, apparently. <laughs> Let me take care of that for you. Right? How many of you guys like to help the Lord? <laughs> no one's raising their hands. I, I, I've learned I'm not very good at it, but I still try. You know, <laughs> I'm still giving that A for effort, just going for it. Like, oh, I, I think I can help him. No, he doesn't really need my help. And, and that's what you're going to see in this parable is there's a lot that the servants aren't seeing. There's a lot they don't get. They know, okay, that's not wheat. So we should get rid of it. And God's saying, not so fast. Why don't you just hold up a minute? Um, it's natural for us to think, let's pull it up right? Let's get rid of this. How many of you thought that? Like, we just need to get rid of all this stuff going on, and that's it, and these people, blah, 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 blah. We always say these people, right? Forgetting that we were once those people, right? Then Paul would be like, I'm the chief of sinners. Let me take care of it. Yeah, it doesn't work out so well. There was something that Jesus needed them to see is that, and we might not, some of you may know this, that it was very hard to tell the difference between wheat and tares. The Darnell uh, weed looked just like wheat. It would grow up together until it was time to harvest. You couldn't tell the difference. So Jesus also knows that like, you really don't have that good of an ability to judge rightly of what is wheat and what's tares. Right? We think we do. Oh, let me help you. He's like, oh my Lord, please don't help me. All right, right. God's so patient with us. He's like, I love you. Just don't help me. <laughs> you can come along and watch, but just, just stay in the car. Let me take care of this. I, I used to tell the guys in the jail when I was doing Bible study with them, like, when I was first saved, I would be, like, sitting in the front seat with Jesus. All right, let's go. And then telling them, like, we should go there. Let's turn here. Like, slow down. Like, like my little special helper that drives with me. Like, you guys ever see that? that well, I'll tell you about it. My special helper. It was, and I'm trying to be the special helper to the Lord of, you know, how fast he should go, how slow, stop. There's a, you know there's a turn coming up here? Yeah, I kind of created everything. It's all good. Like, <laughs> he doesn't need my help. I would sit there, and then I, got, I thought I was really smart. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get in the back seat. I'm not, I, can't, I can't sit up. I'd get in the back seat. But then I was telling the Lord how to do things from the back seat. 
And that didn't work out very well either. So then I was like, I think I'm going to get in the trunk. Just <laughs> put me in the trunk. But then I'm beating on the trunk and kicking on the Lord. So I'm at a point now where I'm pretty well bound and gagged and tied up in the trunk. And that's working out a heck of a lot better than I would, I would encourage you guys to, to take that spot with the Lord. Just, Lord, bind me, gag me, take me along, and it's going to be a beautiful ride. Because I don't know what I think I know, right? That's a very good spot to be. We don't know squat. We don't know the difference between wheats and tares. We don't know when it's time to really harvest. He doesn't ask us to go out and uproot the wheat from the tares because he knows we would not do a good job of it. He knows we would, up, we would make a mess. He knows that. So he don't ask us to do that. He tells us, let me take care of it. He's so loving through the process. Like He doesn't yell at us and, and smack us upside the head and like, that was stupid. What are you thinking? Pull up. The... He doesn't do that. He just says, I got it. Let me take care of it. What would we consider? Like, you know, we, we all have this tendency to judge ourselves and measure ourselves by ourselves, right? If we got the job of pulling up the tares or declaring who's evil and what's not, we would probably go about measuring everyone by ourselves, right? I mean, we think we're all that in a bag of chips. So wherever we're at, anyone else that's more evil or worse than us, then off with their head. They're out, right? But if you're like on my level, then we're good, right? Well, isn't, that, isn't that how that would work? That's not the way God wants it to work. That's why he says, don't judge. You're really not any good at it. Don't judge anyone. I'm going to read a little story out of this book. It'll probably paint this pretty clear. We're going to play a little game. Let's pretend that you have the job of uprooting some people and leaving others. Okay, you're in charge of of the field. Bear with me. The first case goes like this. In his teens, he began living with someone. And then he got her pregnant. After living with her 15 years, he dumped her and got engaged to someone else. Already there's some judgments going on. He got engaged to the second woman only because doing so would advance his career. This is true story. During his two-year engagement he began living with a third woman who was not his fiancée. Meanwhile, he joined a cult. I mean, this guy's on a roll. He eventually became bored with that and became a skeptic. Do we leave him or do we root him up? I know you're all saying leave him because you're such good Christians, right? (laughs) And you know, like, I know we're supposed to leave him. But most of you, if you were like me when I first was reading the story, I rooted him up about the second thing that happened. This guy's a dirtbag. I made that judgment. Leave him, root him, or pull him up. Looks like a weed. But if you tear him out, you you tear out the future St. Augustine, one of the most influential and important Christians in history. That's how his life started. And church, I can tell you plain as day, if any of you had the choice early in my life to say, that's a weed, you should root it out. I had been rooted out. I wouldn't have made the standard. I can promise you that. Because the stuff that this guy did, I could probably add some more to that. We'll just say that. See, the Lord, has a, he does a really good job of knowing how to differentiate between weeds and wheat. He also has this beautiful ability to transform tares into wheat. See, all of us were tares at one point. None of us were righteous. No, not one. <laughs> all of us were tares. He has this ability that I don't have. I don't know how he does it. I call it the God stuff. He does this God stuff and tares become wheat. Like his purpose in all of this is like, I don't want you to go pull up any of those tares. 
because you are so valuable, the wheat. Here's the truth. We would justify, we'd say, you know what, to get rid of all those tares, you might only lose it one or two wheat. It's okay, let's pull them up. Not the Lord. He says, I don't want to lose one grain of wheat. Don't touch those tares. See, it's his purpose that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He'll leave the 99 and go after what? The tear. And bring it back and say, I think I can still do some work. That tree is not producing any fruit. Rip it out. Let me water it for a while. Let me dig around that soil. Let me, that's his heart. And thank God he had that heart with you. Right? Thank God he had that heart with me. Church, I was wrestling with the Lord, honestly, but like three weeks we're talking on judgment, and I don't really feel this is a judgmental church. I haven't felt that. I, I believe he's preparing us as a church for what's to come. I think we're going to receive a lot of folks um, from all different walks of life. And I'm personally excited that there's going to be a lot of people probably come like me. Not as you see him today, like how I was. Because I know a principle... And it's the biblical principle says this, those who've been forgiven much, love much. In order for this world to get transformed, it's going to take some folks who like were like Paul's, who were dedicated to uprooting things, to tearing stuff up, to doing things all the way, okay? When they didn't serve the Lord, when they didn't, they, they did it all the way, both feet on the gas pedal. And then God takes someone like that and says, I can use that. Watch when I transform this tear into a wheat. They love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what God sees. See, He sees stuff that we can't see. We see the mess. He goes, Oh, what do I? Let me tell you. And, and He puts all of His chips in on the tears. He puts all of His chips in on the tears. God loved the world so much that He goes, They're spitting on me, they're rejecting me, they want nothing. I love you. I'm all in. You did nothing to deserve that. You did nothing to bring that on yourself. And he says, I love you. And he, if we will receive that, we transform radically. He comes into that life and lives out of that life. And it wrecks the world in a great way. And many will come and see who he is and go like, whoa, this God is amazing. We have no business trying to uproot the tares because I can tell you, church, in a lot of churches around the United States and outside where man has tried to pull the tares up, they've torn up a lot of wheat. Judgment has caused a lot of wreck in a lot of folks' lives. Christians are known for doing it very poorly. We shouldn't do it at all. We shouldn't do it. We, we suck at it. I'm sorry you don't like that word, but we, we, it's, we don't do it very well at all. So I've learned when I don't do something very well at all, I should probably leave it alone and quit doing it, right? Like if you do a job and you really stink at it, get a new job, right? If you stink bad enough, they'll help you find a new job, right? The Lord wants to help us find a new job. Like let's love one another, right? Not judge one another. The Lord's merciful. He's so patient with us. He's so slow. And, and, and he waits to the very end just in case there's hope. They may still turn. I shared with the first service. I, I'm still growing in that patience. I, I, I don't even know if you even knew, but Rebecca likes to sleep, and she's really good at it. She, she's a really good sleeper, and sometimes um, we're wanting to get somewhere. I get impatient. I want to get somewhere. I want to get there, and she was, most of the time you do pretty good, but you were lollygagging yesterday, and I told her mom, I said, one more minute, and I'm out. I don't care if she's downstairs or not. I'm leaving. Aren't you glad the Lord isn't like that with us? I'm so glad. If he'd have said one more minute with this guy, I'd have purposely been like, watch this. That's how dumb. I'd have been like, a minute. I got lots of those. The Lord loves us. He's patient and merciful with us. He says, let's wait till the harvest time. Let's just wait till then. I'll, we'll, I'll sort this out. I'm a just judge. You're not. I still love you, baby. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, he's talking about building on a foundation, and the foundation is Christ. And he says anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. Now listen, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. You know who the fire is? Yeah. Church on fire. The manifest presence of God will reveal it. The fire will show if a person's work has any what? Value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will not will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 5, I love Paul, Paul's heart here. He says, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you. This isn't a cocky thing. Sometimes we think that, and, and you might hear me say, you know, and there's times I, I might say, you know, I really don't care what they think. That's, that's something that we need to get in us. We need to learn that, that that's okay. Not in a cocky way of like, I don't care what you think about me, because that's not really true. I, I want you to think right. I want you to see my father in me. But we have to get to a point where we're free from people's evaluations. We're free from people, what they say, and oh, well, you're this, that, and the other. Like, if I believed everything people said about me, I would never get up in the morning. I sure as heck wouldn't preach right here just from some of the things I've heard on how I minister. So not everybody thinks it's awesome. <laughs> so you have to be able to say, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for him. Now, let me tell you, church, I love you. Me and my wife, we are so blessed by you. We know that you love us. Our, our, yesterday, our just time, we just reflected on so many things, how God is, what he's done in our lives, what he's done through you, what we see in, the, in this church, and that we get to be a part of it, and the relationships that he's brought through this body. It was awesome just reflecting on those things. It was the best part of the day. Truly was, seeing how God, what he's done in our life, and, and the relationships, the love that we feel from you. No, we love you. So it's not that we don't, I don't care, but I'm doing this not because you all wanted me to or didn't want me to. We're doing this because this is what my father wants. And I want to please him. And you need to, to think in those terms. Not, you're not doing it for your wife or people that have it like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get uh, clean for my kids. No, you won't. I'm going to get, no. Who are you doing it for? Do it for him. I'm doing it for him. So Paul has this mindset. He says, it matters very little to me how I might be evaluated by you or by human authority. I love this. He goes, I don't even trust my own judgment. He doesn't even trust his own judgment. That's a smart man. He goes, on this point, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. How many have been there? Early in your walk. You know, I have a clear conscience about that. That doesn't mean you're right. You can have a clear conscience about something and his word says, don't do it. I have a clear conscience. You're wrong. That's how wise Paul is. Paul goes, I don't judge my own, even my own thoughts. I don't judge my own self. I have a clear conscience, but what's that matter? If we're not even willing to judge ourselves, we shouldn't definitely be judging other people. If we can't trust our own judgment over ourselves, he says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. For he will bring our darkest secrets to light. Oh boy. And reveal our private motives. See, he can reveal our private motives. I told the first service, would you all trip out like me if what if at any moment in given time, the Lord just flashed up on a wall or a screen your private thoughts. Could you imagine? Do we even want to go there? Like, could you imagine? Just like, you would be like, ah, ah, don't look, hey, what's going on over there? You would be freaked out, right? Some of you are like, no, I'm good. sometimes I'm okay. And I'm not saying having thoughts is, I mean, that's not nothing big. You can't, I can't help what pops in my head. I can, I can help what I entertain, yeah. right? 
Only God knows my motives. Now, that was, I've always looked at this passage as a negative. Like, you know, be careful. God's going to look at your motives and judge all these things, and that's negative. I've loved this week because I've seen such a beautiful part of this verse. Look what it says. Then, the very end, then God will give to each one whatever praises do. He loves you. He loves you. He can rightly, justly decide your motives behind things. How many of you have done things and you had a pure motive, but it was taken wrong? It's not always taken right. God saw it. God saw it. God knows those times that you loved and there wasn't anything coming back. Those times that you were slandered and you just kept loving. He sees every single time um, a pure motive of love, a pure motive of kindness, a pure motive of righteousness and faith. He sees all of our sacrifices and our secret devotion. He sees all those secret things. And guess what? The God of this universe is going to reward and praise those things for all eternity. Are you awake? Yes. The God of this universe is going to openly reward in heaven and before everything for all eternity and praise those things that you've done. That's ridiculous. This knucklehead that caused all that destruction, those pure things, and I didn't come up with them on my own. They were just stuff he was wanting to do through me. He's going to praise and honor and glorify those things. That's ridiculously humbling. That's amazingly awesome God. 1 John 4, 11 through 18. I'm going to jump ahead to verse 13. It says, and God has given us, listen, God has given us what? His spirit as proof that we live in him and he is in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God. I still, I can't believe it. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We will not be afraid on the day of judgment. A lot of the church is afraid of judgment day. A lot of the church is afraid of the book of Revelations. I don't like Revelations. It freaks me out. I'm afraid. I don't know what God's going to do at the end. You do not understand your loving father. You don't know him if you're afraid. One little thing I'm going to tell you. I love, where'd my wife go? Oh, she's getting the dinner thing ready. I love her. I'm like, oh, where'd she go? She left. No. I love her. I didn't, like, before our wedding night, beat the snot out of her. That would be stupid. Let me show you how much I love you, babe. I love you so much. That's twisted. But yet God's saying, I love you. I'm going to throw my judgment and, and punish you right, be- right before we consummate our marriage. I don't know who that God is. That's not the one I know. We will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Perfect love casts out all fear. If we're afraid, it's because of fear of punishment. Now, how many of you remember that? Daddy's coming home. Uh-oh, I, got, I did some messes, right? He, did, I, he said a bunch of things I was supposed to do, and I didn't do them. Daddy's coming home. Church, we're not, we're not to look at it like that. Daddy's coming home. We're like, Daddy's coming home! Woo! 
Right? That's perfect love. There's no fear in that. He swallowed all that stuff up while you were yet sinners. While you were at your worst, he came and loved on you. While you're at your worst, there's nothing to be afraid of. The only ones that are to be afraid is when you reject that love. There's no other salvation. There's no other option. There's no other choice. Take it and run with it. Receive it. Once you do, and you're saying, I'm putting faith in him living inside of me, and all these good things are going to live out of me because he's in me. It's, daddy's coming home. He loves me. I'm the apple of his eye. My old pastor used to say his picture was on God's refrigerator. I love that. I really feel like I'm his favorite. You should feel that way. You should all feel that way. You should be like, I'm dad's favorite. My grandma had, like we found out at her funeral. Now, she didn't lie to me. She would change the name a little bit. I was her best buddy. I was the youngest grandson. Each grandson that went up said, well, I was grandma's favorite. You know, she didn't tell her, but I was her favorite. And then the next one, you know, I was grandma's favorite. And then I got up, I'm like, none of you were. I was grandma's favorite. Like, I was her best buddy. That's how we should feel. Our God, I, I'm like, I'm his favorite. He loves me. He loves you that way. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Let me tell you something. There's more. There's more. He's way better than you thought. I'm just scratching the surface in it. And I get so excited. I'm like, he loves me. He lives in me. He's living out of me. And I'm in him. This is craziness. That's going to keep me busy for a while. I don't know if you can tell. But the results of that, I am loving I can't love you people right if I don't love him. Let him love you. My love is going to fall short. I got a newsflash for most of you. He's already judged you. He's already judged you. Here's what I mean. He's judged you, and he's judged you worthy. He's already judged you worthy. When I was at my worst, he judged me worthy. That's what Romans 5 says. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. That means he already made the right judgment. And in that heap of mess, he was like, I love him. I love him. At my worst, the biggest, I mean, the most destructive messed up in the world. He's like, I got to have that. He said, you're worthy of my son. The father said, you're worthy. I'm going to give my best for you. You've already been judged. What are we afraid of is judgment. You've been judged. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. He judged you worthy of my son. That wrecks you. What he's willing to pay for you. Proves your worth. He put all of his chips in. <laughs> Everything. He banked, like they'll say, bankrupted heaven. I'm all in on this. There's no, there's no second plan B. I'm all in. I want them. I want them. I want them. Don't pull up. A, no, they, they might be a wheat. Nope, I want all of them. I want all of them. Stand with me. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord, for your judgment over us that declares us worthy. Lord, I thank you, God, that no matter what I do or say, you are going to keep loving me. You've settled it. You said, when you're at your worst, I already came and loved you. I've already forgiven you. I've already come to live through you. I thank you, Lord, that, that I do. I can reject it. I don't have to follow it, but it doesn't change the fact that you love me. Nothing changes that. Nothing will ever change that. I thank you for that. Holy Spirit, right now, there's a couple few people, a handful of people, they've been struggling with judgment. The Lord wants to break that chain. You can be free. You can be completely free. How do I know? There's none of it in Jesus. 
He didn't judge. He didn't throw the rocks. So you can live like Christ. And there's some others. You need to be free from the lies of the enemy. You need to be free from the shame and the guilt of your sin. You need to realize that you are worthy and he's already declared you worthy. There's a handful of folks still trying to earn their salvation. You can't earn it. It's a free gift. You receive it. There's no earning it. There's nothing you're ever going to be do that'll be good enough. You can't be good enough. If you could be good enough, the Galatians says that Christ died in vain. And he didn't die in vain. I'm going to spend some time. If you want to be free, and I'm talking like what I've been talking about, Christ living through you. It's not you trying to become good. It's not you trying to be righteous. It's not you trying to work to be holy. If you want that, you want Christ to live through you. Not, not, some of you may have said, well, I said a prayer. I'm not talking about saying a prayer. I'm talking about you dying and him living through your life from this day forward. If you have not experienced that, this time is for you. The altar is open. Please come. Please come forward. I'm going to pray with you. Receive the Lord today. If some of you have been struggling and battling with judgment. Please come. The Lord wants to set you free. And you know what? If this, if this body was completely honest, every single person would be up front on that one. None of us have arrived yet. We all judge and we all judge wrongly. Believe me, church, the Lord wants to prepare us for a new time and a new season where we're going to open up these doors and, and all kinds of walks of life are going to come running in because they're not going to see us. They're going to see Jesus. If it's not in him, it's not going to be in us. Amen. We're not going to tarry too much longer. If, if this salvation call is open, if you need to receive salvation, today's your day. You can be free, completely free. My God's big. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm going to pray over you guys and you can be dismissed. Those who need to leave, you can, be, you can leave. Those who want to spend some time in the altar, you can hang out up here and just spend some time with your father. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for your gift. God, we couldn't earn it. We couldn't do anything about it. All we did was messed up. And Lord, you loved us so much that you pushed all your chips in and said, I want to restore them. I want to live in them. I want to dwell with them. I want to forever be entwined with them in their life. I thank you for that, Jesus. I thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for freeing us, breaking chains in our lives. We thank you for freeing us from judgment. Lord, I ask that you break in every one of us, Lord, trim those branches off. <laughs> Lord, that we would produce more fruit. We thank you, Lord, for coming into this service this morning, Lord, and for uh, breaking chains. Lord, I believe there's a lot of things that happen. We thank you for the miracles, Lord, that were shared today. God, we know apart from you, we can do nothing. But through you, we can do everything that you want to do. Amen. You can be dismissed. Please, if you, if you are in your heart, he's knocking, please answer that call. Amen.